You're listening to the Touch Em Up Podcast. I'm your host, Double M, and in our next episode, we're going to go over a multitude of different subjects, including AEW show Double or Nothing, which I did end up ordering. We're going to go over a new fight announcement in the UFC for UFC 241, and we're going to give my predictions for NXT TakeOver 25, taking place this Saturday night, June 1st. So let's get started and step into the ring. So first off, let's get into, uh, not waste any time here and get into AEW show Double or Nothing. I was going back and forth all day on whether or not I should end up ordering this show or not. And I ended up doing it. I know so you're going to say 60 bucks for an independent wrestling show. I wanted to give them a shot. I figured it's their first show. Most of, most people are going to you know stream it or watch it other ways. I wanted to give them a shot. I wanted to see what they had to offer, how well the show flowed. And, you know, in the beginning, it was pretty slow. I liked the pre-show uh, Battle Royal. I forgot what they called, Casino casino Battle Royale or something like that with the 21 participants. I liked that a lot. I feel like there was a lot of entertainment, whether it was Tommy Dreamer, you know, hitting everybody in the head with a trash can lid, or you had... Ty Dillinger, Sean Spears was in the match. I thought that was great. You had a table spot with Joey Janela getting thrown over the top rope and crashing through a table basically on his neck by Luchasaurus. And then you had a guy who people didn't think was actually going to be on the show, uh, Hangman Adam Page, show up as the Joker, the the wild card in the match, uh, number 21, and ended up getting the win by eliminating MJF with a buckshot lariat where he jumped back in over the top rope and landed and hit him with the lariat. And here's what I liked about that match. So it had, you know, Hangman Page had gotten injured during that match he had with Pac at one of the independent shows in England. And he had the knee taped up and he sold the limp. Now he did jump over the rope and do a front flip into a, into a lariat. And, but you know, he kind of sold the knee on that as well. So I thought that was great. Aside from that, the show started off kind of slow. I didn't like the six woman tag match. I liked I liked it a little bit, but it just I feel like it dragged a little bit as well. Uh, the match between the best friends Chuck and Chuck Taylor and Tremperetta versus Jack Evans and Angelico. I thought they had a fantastic tag team match. Um, would say tag team match of the night, but there's no way when we get to closer to the end of this show. So that was a good match. Uh, ended up getting the win when uh, Tremperetta and Chuck Taylor hit the Avalanche Crunchy Roll on Jack Evans and got the one, two, three. A uh, good match on the pre-show: Sammy Guevara and Kip Sabian. I think Kip Sabian has a bright future. Uh, great look to him for an independent wrestler and a heel. I think Sammy Guevara has a good, a bright future as well, but I think Kip Sabian is the brighter of the two stars. I feel like they're going to use him a lot in AEW. Maybe not right now, but as the as we move forward and see how their show ends up going in the fall, I feel like it's definitely a good chance we see Kip Sabian being used. What else? Let's go to one of the main matches, Cody Rhodes versus Dustin Rhodes, the Battle of the Brothers, Dustin's so-called last ride. I'm not. I'm going to be honest. I thought the match was going to be terrible. I thought it was going to be slow and have a lot of hiccups. That match was absolutely fantastic. One of my favorite matches I've seen this year. Not in terms of you know technical wrestling or high spots, but just storytelling and emotion. You know, a lot of people fall back on this new indie style of wrestling where everything has to be backflips and front flips and high spots and 
Tope Suicidas and Shooting Star Presses, but this match was just old school, you know, map-based wrestling, hard-hitting action, and they Dustin Rhodes got busted open by Cody Rhodes, and he was bleeding like a stuffed pig. And I like how Cody took the blood off Dustin's face and wiped it over his dream tattoo on his chest just to show that this is a blood feud. You know, it's his blood, and he's going to kill the Attitude Era. I enjoyed during his entrance where he smashed the, the, the throne with the sledgehammer. I thought that was great, but I also think like... At first, I really liked it, but then I sat here and thought, you're here to, to take over, right? To show WWE that there's a new avenue for wrestlers to go. They don't have to go straight to WWE. There's new avenues for them to take, and that new avenue is AEW. So why do you have to talk about WWE so much? Even Jim Ross mentioned it. Maybe he didn't say WWE, but they talked about it a lot, and I feel like they should focus on them. I liked the throne smashing part with the sledgehammer by Cody and Brandy Rhodes, but at the same time, do you, man. You got your own company now, do you? But Cody ended up getting the win after, I think, the third crossroads. But fantastic match. If you haven't watched it, please go out of your way to look up the highlights. So much better than I expected. And then you had the Lucha Bros, Ray Phoenix and Penta El Zero Miedo versus the Young Bucks. Oh, my God. One of the best, if not the best, tag team match I've ever seen. Just crazy high spots, a bunch of super kicks and flips and moonsaults off the ropes and just a fantastic hard hitting. It was a long match. I want to say it went over 20 minutes and Lucha Bros ended up being defeated by the Young Bucks with the Meltzer driver, I believe. So yeah, great match by them. Again, look it up. And then the main event, you had Alpha versus Omega 2, Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho. Jericho had a really cool entrance. It started off with his portray of the of the Lionheart Chris Jericho or the Lion Tamer and then it started out and then it went to the jacket with the uh with the lights that when he came back in 2012. Then it went to the list of Jericho and then it went to his new gimmick now, which I want to say the disgruntled crow from the hot from Hot Topic. That's what I like to call it. And then Kenny Omega, I loved his gear. I'm not going to say that this match was like Brett, had a Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels feel to it. But in terms of the gear, I feel like that's what they were going with with their attires. I feel like Jericho, his tights reminded me a little bit with like the slits in the tights of Shawn Michaels and Kenny Omega with the pink coloring on his tights and the black and pink. I feel like it was a representation of Bret Hart. Bret Hart was also at the show. He revealed the new AEW World Championship, which was a big surprise. And the title might be a little too big, but it's beautiful nonetheless. And the winner of this match was going to face Hangman Page to become the first AEW World Champion. And Chris Jericho ended up getting the win. I feel like their match at Wrestle Kingdom was better. This match was more of a brawl, just a fist fight type of match. And it was a good match, don't get me wrong. If you have Omega and Jericho in a ring, it's going to be a good match. I just feel like Jericho, he still can go. Obviously, it's Chris Jericho. But I don't think he can go as well as he used to be able to. And Omega, amazing. One of the best wrestlers in the world today. You could call him the best wrestler. I'm not going to say the best, but 
you know, best bout machine, Kenny Omega. So that was great. And Jericho ended up getting the win when he landed his new finishing move, the Judas Effect, which is a spinning back elbow to the jaw. Not a fan of Jericho winning. I feel like Omega should have got the win, especially since I believe all other members of the elite got a victory, which it makes sense. But anyway, let's get to what happened after the match. John Moxley, Dean Ambrose, showed up at AEW, and I'm super excited. He beat the crap out of Chris Jericho, and then he went after Kenny Omega and came in through the crowd, uh, took him up on the stage, and ended up throwing him off the... Did he do a, a powerbomb or some type of move? I can't exactly remember. On the poker chips on the stage. And, you know, John Moxley's here to stay. He's got a match coming up against Jay White in New Japan. I know, I think it's for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, but I'm not 100% sure. But that should be a good match. And I'm excited for Moxley. We're going to get Moxley versus Omega. I believe it got announced for All Out in Chicago, which I may be going to. I don't know, though, because I really want to go to the NXT TakeOver War Games and Survivor Series weekend in November. But, yeah, I feel like... Moxley and Omega are good. We'll, we'll have great chemistry. It should be a great feud, especially if Ambrose is able to, you know, be Dean Ambrose, be the real Dean Ambrose, John Moxley, that that was held back in WWE. So I'm excited. Uh, solid first show, like I said, started off a little slow, but picked up towards the end. Great overall, and I can't wait to see what hold, what it holds for them in the future. And like Dustin Rhodes said, WWE better watch Vince McMahon better watch their watch his ass. I wouldn't go that far yet. You've got a long road ahead of you, but it does keep WWE on their toes, I believe. So after that, let's go. I want to say one fight that got announced a couple days ago for UFC 241 in Anaheim, California. We've got a 135-pound matchup in the bantamweight division again between Corey Sandhagen and Rafael Asuncao. I'm not going to go into too deep on it. We're going to get in predictions when I do my 241 predictions in August. But such a good fight and a very tough matchup for Corey Sandhagen. This will really show where he's at in terms of the upper echelon of the bantamweight division. Asuncao is a really tough matchup. I think I think that. Corey Sandhagen can give a Sun Sao trouble with his awkward Dominic Cruz style of fighting because TJ Dillashaw was able to stifle him in their second fight. And obviously Sandhagen and Dillashaw are two completely different fighters, but I think Sandhagen can give a Sun Sao some trouble and make it harder for him to find the target when he throws his shots. So what else happened in UFC? There wasn't, there hasn't really been anything this week. But I would like to go over, let's get into NXT TakeOver 25, taking place this Saturday, June 1st. Uh, I'm excited for the show. Such a strong, strong card, especially for a TakeOver that kind of came out of nowhere. I feel like I just knew, I just realized this TakeOver was coming up like two weeks ago. I didn't even know about it. And it's coming up and I'm super stoked for it. So let's get into it. I just want to see where it's taking place at. I believe it's okay. Here we go. It's in Connecticut, Bridgeport, Connecticut at the Webster bank arena on yes, this Saturday, June 1st. So let's get into the card. We're going to start with the fatal four way ladder match for the N the vacant NXT tag team championships. You've got Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch versus the street profits, Montez Ford 
and Angelo Dawkins versus the Undisputed Era's pairing of Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly versus the Forgotten Sons in a Fatal 4-Way Ladder match. This match is going to be insane. You know Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch are that high-flying, hard-hitting, just British strong-style type of wrestling. The Street Profits work very well together. I love Montez Ford. I feel like he has a bright future as a single star as well as a tag team. His charisma and his moveset is great. Undisputed Era, obviously, if they're in a tag match, you know they're going to deliver. Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly work extremely well together. They're a well-oiled machine. And Forgotten Sons, you know, to be honest, not a fan of them at all. They, they just really don't do it for me. I like the idea of their gimmick and, like, how they're portrayed, but them as a unit, I just, it doesn't do anything for me. I feel like they're stale and boring to watch. And that's not, I'm not against you if you're a fan of the Forgotten Sons. I just don't see the appeal with those two. So when you get into this match, let's see. I don't see Fish and O'Reilly winning. I'm going to take that right off the bat. I feel like them, they're, they're going to be called up to the main roster very soon. Maybe after SummerSlam, I could see them being a call-up post-SummerSlam on Raw or SmackDown with somebody we're going to talk about later, Bay Bay. But I don't see them winning. Forgotten Sons, I could see it, but I'm not going to go with them either. I feel like all signs are pointing towards the Street Profits taking the NXT Tag Team titles. But since they just had that match with the War Raiders, even though it wasn't a clean finish with everybody attacking the War Raiders and the Street Profits, I don't see them winning. I think it's a like a trick to pull it over your eyes. I'm going to go with Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch to become the new NXT Tag Team Champions. I feel like they can do very well with the titles take them over to NXT UK since they're one of the mainstays on that brand. And I'm really excited to see where they go with that. So I'm going to go with Oni Lorcan and Danny Burch to become the new NXT Tag Team Champions. Next up, we're going to do Matt Riddle versus Roderick Strong in a singles match. This is going to be match of the night. Definitely singles match of the night, at least in my opinion. But that's super hard when, this, when you look at this card just stacked from top to bottom. I feel like this is going to be a really good technical chess match, hard-hitting style of match. Um, you know, Matt Riddle and Roderick Strong have had their little thing going on lately, whether it's Johnny Gargano and Matt Riddle facing the Undisputed Era in a tag match on NXT, and then you had Roderick Strong attack Matt Riddle in that segment on, I believe it was two weeks ago on NXT TV. But yeah, this match is going to be great. I see Matt Riddle getting the victory. I don't think they're ready to have him take another clean loss like he did to Velveteen Dream. I feel like Riddle beats Roderick Strong in a fantastic match. Like I said, probably going to be match of the night, so definitely look out for that. And I feel like he's going after the NXT World Championship next. They've got big plans for Matt Riddle, if not on NXT, definitely on the main roster. So he will be a star. Don't you worry about that. Next up, we're going to do the NXT North American Championship match between the champion Velveteen Dream and the returning, the new, the old face of NXT, one of the OGs, returning to claim his palace. We've got Prince Pretty, Tyler Breeze. I'm so I'm super excited for this match. You know, I feel like a lot of fans in it that watch NXT now who are newer have not seen what Tyler Breeze is capable of and only seen him in 
on the main roster with in the teams with in a team with Fandango, you know, Breezango. I loved that team at first, but it just, you know, like it's ran its course and there was nothing more you could do with that team. And Breeze is a fantastic wrestler on his own. Just go back and look at some of his matches he had. I believe he was in a match against Neville. And then he had a really, really strong showing against Finn Balor, Demon Finn Balor at the at one of the NXT takeovers. I believe NXT takeover the end. No, that's when Joe fought um, Balor in a, t- in a cage match. NXT TakeOver Arrival or Our Evolution, something like that. One of those early shows. But this is going to be a great match. You know, Felveteen dreams in the ring. He always delivers. And Tyler Breeze is a good, te- good wrestler as well. I feel like people will be really surprised at how good he is in the ring and wonder why he hasn't been used. But main roster is where NXT stars go to die. So... I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the shocker here. I'm gonna say Tyler Breeze takes the NXT. No, you know what? No, no, never mind. I'm sorry. I forgot that Dijak was supposed to be Donovan Dijakovic was supposed to be the one who who was in this match against Velveteen Dream. So I'm gonna say Velveteen Dream retains, and then he drops the title to Donovan Dijak in Dominic Dijakovic. Donovan Dijak was his name from the Indies. So I'm going to say Velveteen Dream gets the win in a, in a great match with a lot of good spots. So be ready for that. That's going to be fantastic as well. Let's go to the NXT Women's Championship match between the champion, the Queen of Spades, Shayna Baszler, and Io Shirai. I'm not a fan of Shayna, Shayna Baszler at all. I like... Her MMA type of style, because you know I've trained MMA mostly and martial arts mostly all my life, so I appreciate her grappling and striking heavy style. But I, I don't like her as a champion. Her as a heel, perfect. Her on the mic, cool. But her in terms of matches and delivering in the ring, I just don't see it. I feel like she should have lost the NXT championship, NXT Women's Championship to Kyrie Sane, and should have never got it back when they had their matches. So I'm going to say Io Shirai gets the victory and takes the NXT Women's Championship from Shayna Baszler. It's long overdue. You know, I feel like she should have lost the title, like I said, to Kyrie Sane. She just hasn't been there and hasn't delivered for me in a long time. And I feel like they need to move on with the NXT Women's Division. It's been super stale since she's been the champion. I feel like nobody really cares about the NXT Women's Division anymore. And it used to be, if not second best, the best Thing in NXT when it first started. So I feel like this is going to usher in a new era to the NXT women's division and Io Shirai becomes a new NXT women's champion. I could still see her moving up to the main roster soon, but I don't think she's ready for that yet. So we'll see, especially with Asuka and Kyrie being a tag team. I don't see this then happening. What are they called? The I forgot their name. It's something stupid. The the Kazi Warriors or something. So yeah, Io Shirai to become the new NXT Women's Champion. And in the main event, a rematch from NXT TakeOver Blacklist between the NXT Champion, Johnny Gargano, and the leader of the Undisputed Era, Adam Cole, baby. This is going to be a fantastic match. If you did not see their 2 out of 3 falls match from TakeOver Blacklist, What are you doing? Turn this podcast off. Actually, no, finish the podcast because you're here already, so why would you stop? 
And then go on the WWE Network. If you don't have it, pay your $9.99 or get your free month trial. You know, got to plug the network in here, I guess. And go watch Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano for the vacant NXT Championship in a two out of three falls match. Amazing storytelling, especially with Cole getting the first fall and Gargano having to win two falls in a row. It really played to that underdog story that NXT has mastered so well with Johnny Gargano since he went up after the top title. So I'm I'm super excited. I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sold on this match. It's not my most looked forward to match on the card just because we just saw it at the last takeover. So that's still fresh in my mind. I feel like a new challenger could have worked for the this takeover and maybe give Cole his rematch for the SummerSlam takeover. And then whoever wins that match, you know, the losers go up to the main roster, which I don't see Adam Cole getting the NXT championship. I feel like they want, they have big plans for him and Undisputed Era on the main roster. But we always say that, don't we? And then they go up to the main roster and they're in Ho- No Way Jose's conga line. Like, it, it just, I don't know. But they expect, expect this to be a great match. A lot of near falls. One thing, I don't like 8 million kickouts of finishers. Yes, it adds to the excitement of the match, but it gets to a point where it's just overkill. If you get hit with the last shot, you know, 50, three times and you finally get pinned or you get hit with nine super kicks and the 10th one is the one that knocks you out. Like it just devalues the move to be honest. It doesn't it doesn't give the 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 showing or the illusion that that move can end it right away. If you hit the same move five times, is it really a strong finisher? Is it or is it just death by accumulation? If you know what I'm saying with that. So I'm going to say Gargano keeps the NXT championship. I feel like it's going to be a close match. There's going to be a lot of times when you think Cole's going to get the job done. But I see Johnny keeping the title. Maybe Tommaso Ciampa shows up and does another little cameo or a run-in for Johnny Gargano. Since I'm sure they're going to bring back DIY to the main roster when Ciampa's all healed up. So... Yeah, I'm going to say Johnny Wrestling retains the NXT Championship and goes on to the TakeOver during SummerSlam weekend to defend against the original bro, Matt Riddle. And I think that's where Gargano drops the title. Matt Riddle takes it, and Gargano goes up to the main roster. So those are my predictions for NXT TakeOver 25. Again, looking forward to the show. So excited for it. It's a super strong card, one of the strongest cards a TakeOver has had in a long time especially for one that kind of came out of nowhere. It it really, you know, caught my attention and I'm super happy and excited about it. Monday night raw tonight. Um, we have Lesnar making his choice and who he's going to cash in on. I know everyone's going to say he's going to cash in on Seth Rollins, but hear me out on this. Of course, Lesnar's probably going to re going to get the championship back whenever he cashes in. But, You've been going with this storyline with Kofi Kingston that he's the underdog and he's got to scratch and claw his way to defend his championship. And he it's so close to being defeated and he finds a way to win. What a better way to, to back up Kofi Kingston being a legit star than to have Brock Lesnar cash in his money in the bank. And then Kofi Kingston beats him. I, I don't even think it has to. It doesn't even have to be a clean win. For Kofi, I would say probably it does have to be a clean win. But it doesn't have to be, in my in my opinion anyway. And have Kofi Kingston beat Brock Lesnar 
and have him lose his Money in the Bank briefcase. I mean, Lesnar doesn't need the briefcase anyway. He can challenge for a title whenever he wants, especially with the way WWE books him. So I think that's what you do. You have him taunt it and say, I'm going to take the belt away from New Day's Kofi Kingston. And Kofi ends up beating him. It's probably not going to happen. You know how WWE is and how they book these things. But that's what I would do. I would have him cash in on Kofi and have Kofi beat him and keep the title. And then maybe Kofi Kingston drops the title at SummerSlam to, I don't know, he's facing Dolph Ziggler at Super Showdown. But I don't see Ziggler getting the title. So maybe he drops it to Finn Balor or he drops it to Bray Wyatt or somebody. Even Aleister Black. But who knows where he's been. You know, him and Buddy Murphy are SmackDown's best kept secrets duo. But I'm excited. Um, Raw should be good tonight, especially after Double or Nothing. I feel like Raw is going to try to pull out all the stops tonight. Maybe not, but I feel like last week's show was solid. And I think this week's show is going to be just as, if not a little bit better. So, yeah, I feel like we covered everything. I'm I'm currently working. This doesn't have anything to do with, like, real news. But I was thinking, I watched WrestleTalk's video of the fantasy booking of a new Ministry of Darkness. And I'm currently working on a fantasy booking type of story where they bring in a new Ministry of Darkness to the main roster. And I'm sure you know, you know some of the people in there. But I've got a few surprises that I put in there. So maybe next podcast I get a buddy on and we'll talk about the storyline, even though, you know, it's just fantasy booking, you know, it can go any way you want. I tried to keep it realistic and as close to how I would see WWE actually doing it with a little bit of my own twist on it. So maybe we'll go over it in the next podcast episode or the next time I have either my buddy Darren or maybe one of my buddies from work will be on, but we'll go over it soon, but I want to finish it. So that's going to be it for today, guys. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Like I said, we did have a lot to cover. And I'm Double M, and I'm out, guys. All right, have a good night, everybody.